welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show from the Labatt Blue Studio. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Bleed blue and white, drink blue and light. And don't forget to try the new Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack. Available at retailers throughout Pennsylvania. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti and with Thomas Frank Carr. And it's quarter number three, and that means it's time for Ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football, recruiting, or life in general questions. If you want to submit a question, download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask T. Frank button. T. Frank, I also want to mention we're getting into late February now, which means March is around the corner, which means spring is around the corner. That means we're shifting our prize back from the sweatshirt to the KSN polo. So that's a sign that spring isn't too far away. You ready for the questions? Yeah. Do you want me to model it on the radio for you? Is that also a... uh, Yeah, please. put Put the polo on. Got it. We'll do. Got it. Okay. I'll wait for you to do that. And, uh... All right, there you go. Got the polo Perfect. on. It looks great. Let's. <laughs> oh, that's just you, T. Frank. You make it look great. Well, thank you. Let's get to. <laughs> Let's start with Walt in Lancaster, who says, "I believe that both Rashid Walker and Brandon Smith underperformed as Nittany Lions. If you agree, why do you think that is, and how do you think they're going to each do in the NFL?" Uh, I would say that. Walker certainly underperformed. Uh, the expectations set by uh, James Franklin and set by his talent level and all of those things coming into his final season at Penn State, it was pretty clear that that was going to be his final season by most of the comments. He just didn't play up to that level. And, you know, there's a there's hundred different reasons. Some of them we can't really know, but it just did not seem like a guy that was sharp. And, you know, just based on my film analysis, there were things that I felt he could do physically where he was slow to get to. And and I I don't I don't really know, truthfully, because I don't have the full picture of, you know, was there an injury? Was there some mitigating factor? I don't think so. But you never know. Um, So, you know, certain guys just underperform. So Brandon Smith got a bad rap, I think. The defensive line in front of him was in flux the whole season, and the first month of the year when he did have his nose tackle in P.J. Mustafer, he was still learning to play that box linebacker position. So there were some growing pains. But then after that, he was under siege all season long as a guy who had not played in the box in three years and then had to be an expert at taking on blocks consistently and taking on guards that got to the second level. No linebacker plays well when you're constantly getting reached. He did not perform as a superstar, but he was not in the same position as some of the guys to him previously who had a solid defensive line in front of them of four veteran starters and a healthy rotation. So he did not play well in those situations, but he was not in a position where he was going to play well. As a coverage player and as a linebacker, he did well. And I know that he missed a tackle in the snow against Michigan State that led to a 99-yard drive. I was I put that on him as much as everybody else. But if that's the only thing you remember about Brandon Smith, you are choosing to forget all the other big plays that he made. He was a good coverage linebacker. He's got good instincts for that, especially if he doesn't have to play out in the flat at the Sam position. I think as he moves to the NFL, he's he has to improve against the run. That's going to be number one. 
but he hits, he's physical, and he's going to fly around the football field to make plays. He's a hardworking kid. I I wonder, there has to be a certain level of uh, urgency without being in a hurry that he he needs to have. So I don't I don't want to call it instinct because it makes it sound like he is not instinctive and you can't make as many big plays in the backfield or in the flat as he has where he did trigger downhill and he did get those plays at the quarterback or the running back. I he just there there needs to be a a process where he's thinking less and playing more. And I think that that would be the final step for him. And training year-round and being a professional at it is his best opportunity. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. And then with with Walker, the light has to come on. The light has to come on because the NFL is not going to wait around for you. So I, they both have the opportunity to be good pros. There's, there's no questioning their talent level. But with Brandon Smith, I'm more confident that he's going to carve out a role for himself in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a second-round pick, so he'll have time to do that. He'll have time and coaching and emphasis that they're going to pour that into him to get those significant talents out of him. I think you made a good point about mentioning Brandon Smith's missed tackle. There's a we're a couple of uh, I'll call them high profile missed tackles. Yeah, and that's what what we fans remember and have forgiven him for. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's go to Rich in Boldsburg, who says, "Does Aller fit the offensive system?" as well as Prabula, Veyu, and Clifford. Aller seems more like a classic pocket passer than he does an RPO quarterback. Is that a legitimate observation, T. Frank? Yeah, yeah, but he's not immobile. I, I think we've raised the bar so high for athletic quarterbacks, and the NFL is now a part of this, that they've gone all in on the superior athletes. That, yeah, if you're not running a 4.6 or a 4.5, and you're not 240 pounds and you, you don't have some sort of special trait there, you're looked at as, as, a, as a pocket passer. But Aller's got good mobility. Uh, he can hit you for a couple. And this is also the same offense. And I know that it's colored by what James Franklin believes in at the offensive architect position of what he chooses to bring in, what he chooses to be about. Um, but this is also an offense that, going back to Oklahoma State, had Mason Rudolph. I don't know if you've seen Mason Rudolph. He is not fleet of foot. So you can have read option and have that be a part of it, but the RPO game changes things quite a bit to me of you're not reading to keep the ball as the quarterback, you're reading to throw. And that gives you an added layer of protection to make the defense wrong in run situations. It doesn't have to be just an athletic quarterback reading the defensive end or the linebacker who's crashing over the top. You can then read that linebacker and throw the ball. So I don't have a problem with Aller. I think he's a good enough athlete. And if if you've got a talented passer, like a really talented passer, and that's what Drew Aller is, if you can't make that work in any system, your system is wrong. <laughs> you can emphasize any part of the system that you want. You don't have to emphasize the, the read option. You can emphasize a different aspect of your running game. And, and the threat of him throwing the ball should lighten the box because that's all you're trying to do is you're trying to lighten the box. You're trying to make it easier for your run game because it's really hard to perfectly block every single running play. So how do you give the, the running game help? There's a number of different ways, and, and those are a couple of them. And I think people, fans, have a, uh, they make the mistake of stereotyping a kid based on he's, what, six foot five, so mm-hmm. he's like 
is he Christian Hackenberg or if you want to go to the NFL and say Tom Brady, who's never going to run the ball and automatically think because his physical stature is similar, that's what he's going to be. Yeah, well, it's also the the conversation about him being Josh Allen. I, I don't I don't see that because he runs he runs a sub five forty from what I've seen, but he is not a a runner like that. He's not a physical runner either. Um, so yeah, maybe he's closer to a Matt Ryan with a stronger arm. Is kind of how I look at him. I saw a comparison uh, at on three. Charles Power called him a uh, Joe Flacco like. I, I see. Yeah, strong arm. In in his youth, Joe Flacco was a mobile quarterback. He he was good scrambling. He wasn't an RPO guy, but he could move around. I see Aller in a similar vein of a guy that's not a statue in the pocket. He's good at manipulating. He's good at moving. He's good at at navigating those waters. You don't have to be an elite athlete to 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 operate from a mobility standpoint. All right, let's go to Steve in Columbia, who says, "T Frank, love your spots. Simple question." Is James Franklin too nice? He wants to have the family atmosphere. He's worried about the transfer portal if he's too harsh. You gave him a pass on 2020, as did I. 2021, no free pass. To quote Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Is it time for James to take off the kid gloves and start a new attitude in Too Happy Valley? Uh, so Steve has definitely made up his mind about this question. And I, I also would say that it's not an easy question. That's not a simple question because you see what you see in the media. We have no idea what James Franklin is like in meetings. We have no idea what he's like with his coaching staff. Like, truthfully, we don't have a great idea of what he says behind closed doors when there are no cameras. Um, I I have seen more of an edge to James Franklin than fans would have just in the brief glimpses we get at practice. And that's also when he knows we're there. You know, he's a very smart, aware person. So how do you read that unless you are literally invisible in the room and you see what he's like? I think he cares about players and he talks about working them hard and and getting the most out of them and being tough on them, but loving them at the same time. And if you're focusing on the loving them at the same time, like, I don't know if you're looking for that old school general thing, you know, the, 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 the yesteryear battalion leader, not every player responds to that either. So being able to communicate, finding the best talent, putting them into the best position to win and making the right decisions about all of that stuff is the real thing and not just barking at people. And I guess that's that's where I differ from a lot of fans is they want to see someone held accountable. They want to see it. I don't need to see it. I I assume that no one is going to be just everybody's best friend. And I don't get that idea from James Franklin either. And these last two seasons, I don't think the team underperformed because James Franklin was too nice a guy, okay? Yeah. And I'm not sure I want the coach to be, you know, you've seen the pictures of Kelly at Notre Dame just really screaming at a player as he comes off the field until he's red in the face. I'm not sure that makes a huge difference. So uh, let's move on. Let's go to Ron in Huntington who says, we've heard that pretty much everything was wrong last year with the running game. Mm-hmm. The offensive line had had no push. They missed assignments. The tight ends didn't block well. The running backs dancing around too much, not hitting holes quickly enough. 
T. Frank, if you're coaching the offense, what are you emphasizing most to improve the running game? Talent acquisition. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I listen. Um, yeah, it was a it was a cascade of problems last season in the first year for an offensive coordinator uh, in Mike Yersich. So I think the installation of systems will be a little more stable this year. Uh, Phil Troutwine is getting offensive linemen he's recruited and that are trained by him only to start filtering into the starting lineup. We're going to start to see where the rubber meets the road with Phil Troutwine. I'm impressed with every single time I interact with him from conversations to watching him coach to watching him recruit. So I'm expecting an improvement and the fruits of those labors to to finally start to come through from a rough situation for 2020 to 2021 where he started his career at Penn State. So I, I think that's it. And last season, my comments about simplifying the run game was because, okay, nothing is working and we're trying everything. So let's just try a couple of things and then see what happens and like really drill down and focus on those things. This season, no, like go back and install what you want to install, run what you want to run. Now's the time to put everything in and make it work. So that that's, I, I change how I view that going into 22. We need a winner. Uh, that's Rich. I think Rich had a question that let me pop off on uh, on quarterback systems, so that was fun. All right, Rich, we'll be getting in touch with you. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around. In quarter number four, we have in Eric Lammers. We're going to talk recruiting. Stick with us. This is where the temperatures are unkind. This is where water freezes in the blink of an eye. This is where the wind bites harder than a mid-ice cross-check. This is where the beer is always on ice. This is Labatt Hockey, played the way Mother Nature intended. Labatt Blue is proud to support pond hockey and all the hearty souls that like to play it cool. This is Labatt Hockey. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. 